0: In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com sheet she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's POD s-u-r-v-e-y dot slash she. Thanks for your help. All right, guys, I have a slightly different but super special episode for you today. A few months ago, we ran a giveaway on the podcast Instagram page. If you're not following She Podcast on Instagram, go follow it, by the way. Uh, but we ran a giveaway there or a contest there. And the the prize, if you win the giveaway, is to be a guest on She. Come on, share a little bit of your expertise, what you're all about, and then ask me anything that you want. And so we ran that giveaway and our winner was Morgan Maxi. And so she is on the show today. Morgan is an Enneagram coach. She's got a lot of interesting uh, interesting things to share about it. I asked her some really tough questions about it, but we have a really good conversation and I think you're going to find this really interesting. And then Morgan also asked me a few questions specifically about getting your message out there if you have something you want to share with the world through speaking and getting your voice heard. So we had a great conversation, all things Enneagram, personality types strengths and weaknesses of tests like this, questions surrounding tests like this, how you can learn more and really the best way to test yourself if you wanna find out your type, as well as if you have a message to share. I gave some of my own advice by kind of coaching her and sharing um, some steps to get started on that. So without further ado, here is a wonderful conversation I shared with Morgan Maxi. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Morgan, welcome to She...
1: Thanks, Jordan, for having me.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so let's dig right into this. Uh, I've already given everybody the rundown of how this all played out and why you're here, and I'm so thrilled to get to talk to you and learn from you and maybe learn from me a little bit, and we'll have a really great conversation today. But before we dive in, I would love if you can share a little bit of your background with everyone, just your personal background and maybe why you've even taken to the Enneagram at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Sacramento, California. I went to college in Southern California, graduated with my degree in communication studies and marketing. A little fun fact about myself that not a lot of people know is I actually met my husband on a Southwest flight halfway through my college experience. So that ended up with me graduating college and then moving back to my hometown, Sacramento. And my first job right out of the gate was a culture director at a local Chick-fil-A. And I learned a lot about how important it is to treat people with respect and mm. love. And that kind of started feeding into why I was so passionate about the Enneagram. And now currently, my nine-to-five job, I'm working at a developer firm in Sacramento as a marketing and leasing coordinator. And I've always been really passionate about personality tests because it helps me better understand others, which means it's easier to be nicer to people Mm -hmm. when you understand why they are the way that they are. So about two years ago, I decided to become a certified Enneagram coach while I was working on Chick-fil-A and the developer firm and started my own business teaching other people about the Enneagram.
0: Okay. So first thing I have to ask, I need to rewind for a second. So sorry to do this, but you just told me you met your husband on a Southwest flight. So I want to know, was this a situation we just, I need to like understand here. So was this a situation where you were sitting? In a, in a row and he happened to sit down next to you. And one of you was like, oh, I think you're cute. Can I get your number? Or was it like bumping into each other on the way to the bathroom? Or like, what was the scenario here? I just need to know this story. It
1: was, it was crazy. So actually we were in the boarding pass line and he was wearing a Sacramento King sweatshirt, which is our NBA team. And he said something funny about a March Madness tournament, which is the college basketball tournament. And I turned around and laughed because I'm also into March Madness basketball. And mm-hmm. he said, hey, is your name Morgan? To which I was like, yes, how do you know me? (laughs) And he was like, I actually moved you in three years ago at college. You might not remember. And I was like, wow, like full circle. That's crazy. And Mm. obviously, thank you, Southwest, for having the open seating option. So (laughs) we ended up sitting next to each other, chatting with each other the entire flight. And it gets, honestly, a little bit crazier from there. He didn't ask me for my phone number, but I had a feeling that we'd reconnect again. Mm -hmm. So three months later, I decided to try out a new church called Bayside Midtown. And while I was there, somebody across the aisle was waving to me. And that happened to be Robbie, my husband. Mm -hmm. And we went on our first date a week later and... We got married last June, and I would say we're, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> wow,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I love that story. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> okay, so let me fast forward now back to everything else you shared that was wonderful. I just had to ask about that story for yeah, of course. Literally for entertainment's sake. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to know, where did you first hear about the Enneagram test? Because I first heard about it, I'm pretty sure when I started going to Nashville a lot for work, I feel like it's super popular in that area. I always joke about how like everyone in Nashville, the first thing they ask you is not what's your name, but what's your Enneagram type. And so I'm curious how you first heard about it.
1: That is so true. So I actually got certified through a company that is based in Nashville. So it's funny See, that yeah, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville knows all about the Enneagram. But I heard about it at church, and at the same time, I was reading the book, "The Road Back to You," mm-hmm. and just honestly fell in love with it and thought it would be a really good tool to connect with other people.
0: Interesting. Okay, so then when did you first take it or figure out what number you were? And did you like did hitting because okay, in Matt and I's experience when someone encouraged us to take the test, we felt like it wasn't getting us like exactly When, when we got our results, we were like, I don't really feel like that's totally accurate. And so it was, we actually had to do more of like a self-diagnosis because sometimes you can like test the test is what I've been told. So I'm curious when you found out, was it super clear for you? Did it hit the nail on the head or was it a little bit like of a a journey and a process?
1: So I think I was lucky because I took the test when I didn't really know what the Enneagram was. So I didn't really know how to manipulate the results Mm -hmm. because obviously, you know, like, oh, I want people to think I'm awesome. I'll answer this way. So Mm -hmm. there is a way to kind of change it. But when I took it, I was actually tied between Enneagram numbers one and three. Mm -hmm. So little breakdown. These numbers frequently mistype as one another. That would be because three's core desires be seen as successful and they like to be admired. And Enneagram ones want to be seen as a good person. And I would say that those are both really Mm -hmm. big competing values in my life. Mm -hmm. However, I realized that I was an Enneagram type one because I have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. (laughs) Let's just say Mm -hmm. I really want to give my 100% best to everything I do. Which can be kind of stressful at times. Yeah. But it was, <laughs> I get that. it's a little bit stressful. But it was pretty accurate for me. That being said, I've honestly always been a personality test enthusiast. And as a result, I spent a lot of time analyzing why I do things or why someone else might be doing something.
0: Mm.
1: So I think that kind of helped me out too.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I think reading The Road Back to You helped me get the closest, but I feel like for a while I was like, I'm 100% a three. And I also am like a huge advocate of not putting yourself in a box. And so I actually kind of wanted to tackle that conversation with you today a little bit because this is something that. that, yeah, this is something my social media and I community have had many conversations with, at least one way via stories and me just telling how I feel like we don't need to be stuck in boxes. I think what I was starting to feel with the Enneagram for a little while was like, Okay, I feel like this is just another thing that's kind of putting us in a box or making us feel like we're putting a box like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm a three, you know, or I'm doing this because I'm a four. And I think it can be the the danger, I guess, of personality tests while there's so many benefits to understanding how you work and how you communicate with your spouse or with your significant other and all of these other really great benefits. I think one challenge that I've noticed is sometimes that I think interpretation of it or we can feel like we can use it as an excuse sometimes for some of our not so good behaviors, like mm, I'm doing this because I'm a four, you know, or yep. <laughs> we can also sometimes let it box us in like, well, I'm I'm this way. So this is how I will always be. And this is just how it is. And I, I wonder if that becomes a, a challenge for people or can be a roadblock. Totally. So I'd love your thoughts on that. The first question, I guess, is much more around like the whole excuses and boxes part of the conversation. And then I'm like, maybe you can help me decide, am I a three or a seven? But let's focus on this excuses and boxes thing, because I think those are two of the challenges I see coming up with it.
1: Totally. And you're 100% right. So I actually talk a lot when I'm giving a presentation to an audience, I actually talk about how I was very guilty of using my personality diagnosis as justification for unhealthy habits and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I kind of dive in what that process has been like for me saying like, oh, no, like, You don't actually just get to be this way just because you're Enneagram type one. Mm -hmm. You, like everybody else, has to learn how to become a healthier, better version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then to your second question about being put in a box. So there's a great Enneagram expert. He says it best. He says the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It actually shows you the box you're in and how to get out of it. Oh, that's a good way to put it, huh? Yeah, I think I would say my own quote, but honestly, no one said it better before. I think it's great. But what I would say about that is that I'm an Enneagram type one. So when Mm -hmm. I'm in seasons of stress, I actually reflect unhealthy characteristics of a type four. Mm. Now on the flip side, when I'm in a season of security and I'm feeling more confident, I contain a lot of healthy qualities of a type seven. So the Enneagram is filled with lots of different triads and growth paths. And I like to describe them as the stress path and the security path. And for me, I've actually found a lot of freedom in the Enneagram because it makes me understand why am I acting this way when I'm stressed? Or why am I going here when I'm, what makes me feel secure? Instead of just feeling like, well, I'm just a one I'm in this box, I guess I can only do one like things, I actually feel like I can engage in a lot of my four qualities by being creative, or maybe a little bit more emotional or on Mm -hmm. the flip side, engage in my Enneagram type seven, which is more spontaneous and silly and a little bit less afraid to make a mistake.
0: Okay. So now help me. Okay. So yes. <laughs> this is something I'd love your input on. So I, for a while I was thinking I'm a three, but now I'm like, Hmm, I also think I could be a seven. And I know you can draw from other types. Like it's not like all you are is a three and you only use those characteristics. So how would you coach someone if they were kind of stuck between two numbers? I know sometimes the three and the eight mis-type, And for a little while, we were like, could I be an eight, but I'm not so much of a challenger as I am like an achiever. And as I am like yep. somebody with big ideas and big vision and a lot of enthusiasm to go do them. And so that's where I kind of get those <laughs> two. Uh, I've had to really rail, like reel myself in to be like, okay, we've done a lot. Like, let's not just be full going full steam ahead on the next big idea. Let's kind of, you know, so that's where I think the enthusiast comes in. So I'm going, okay, is it the enthusiasm that's driving me to do these things? Or is it more my desire to achieve? So I'm curious what you, like how you would guide someone if they felt like they were stuck between these two numbers.
1: Totally. So the Enneagram is built up of a lot of different triads. So there's actually the aggressive stance. And it's really funny that you mentioned three, seven and eights, because all of those numbers are a part of that stance. Hmm. So that's good. We're moving forward. <laughs> and then the other thing I would say is that each Enneagram number has a different orientation to time. So seven threes and eights are actually future oriented individuals. Ones, twos and six are present focused and nines, fives and fours are past focused. So what I would really ask you is just think about, okay, like am I future oriented, if I am future oriented, why is it about experiencing something new and exciting? Or is it about really elevating like my business and being successful and admired by those around me. And I think sometimes with Enneagram type threes, people might put a negative stigma on them. Like, Oh, they just want to achieve all the things and be really admirable. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that Enneagram type threes have a great gift of inspiring. They're great motivators and great leaders. And so even though, yes, they're incredibly successful and they do a lot of great things in their lives, I think the greatest quality that an Enneagram type three has is the ability to inspire others to go Mm -hmm. after and get what they want in life, Mm -hmm. which your own academy is a true testament to that. Yeah,
0: (laughs) very true. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Okay, that's helpful. So another thing that I'm curious about is what have what have you done to really educate yourself and learn when you first decided, okay, I'm going to start trying to help others with this? Was it a lot of book reading? Was it studying the you know, how did how did you really kind of Gain the understanding and the knowledge to position yourself as someone who can guide others through this? What did that process look like for you?
1: Yeah, great question. So when I was getting certified, I had just gotten engaged. And so I was interacting with a lot of different types of people. We're talking from wedding coordinators to photographers and just really interacting with people who have a ton of different personalities. And so I thought to myself, like, I wonder if I try and kind of like self-diagnose them if I can have better interactions with them based off of what I believe about them. And it honestly was incredibly helpful for me. My husband, Ravi, is an Enneagram type seven Mm -hmm. and I'm a one. So when I'm in a season of security, I actually look a lot like a seven. Mm -hmm. And my husband, when he's in a season of stress, he actually goes to an Enneagram type one. Mm -hmm. So he looks a lot more like me. And I think just having that confidence that I truly feel like we have a bond The Enneagram just made me incredibly hopeful instead Mm -hmm. of focusing on like, well, he just wants to have fun and I just want to focus and get stuff done. Mm -hmm. It's more about like, wow, like I understand why he wants to have fun. He's like, wow, I understand she wants to get stuff done. Like Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. And together, just seeing how two is better than one, I think with the Enneagram, the biggest testimony that the Enneagram has is that it not only helps you understand yourself, that's great. But Mm -hmm. it's also great to focus on others and understand other people. Because when you understand other people's backgrounds, or why something's out, you have a lot more empathy with them, which is incredibly important, I think, especially in this age, just having the ability to be able to look at someone who's different and say like, hey, like, I see you, I hear you. No, I haven't been there able to understand you. Mm -hmm. Knowing that the Enneagram is actually a tool on that road, just really empowers me. And I feel like, It's my duty to help people Mm -hmm. learn how to interact with those who are different from them.
0: Hmm. That's a really good way to put it. I love that. Okay, other questions. I have a lot of questions that are coming up. But I just think I'm going to I'm going to drill it down on a couple that I think many are wondering. So the first would be where do you how do you recommend someone type themselves or find out their type if they're interested in doing this?
1: Yeah, so I honestly recommend people just taking the assessment. I know that's like a no, I don't want to get my diagnosis, but what I'll <laughs> say is <laughs> we don't like to feel like we can be put in a box within 10 minutes. So it's kind of stressful. But what I would say is take the test and look deeper into your top three results. I think that will make you feel about taking the test. It's not just like, oh, I'm this number. It's, mm-hmm. oh, I could be these three numbers. Mm-hmm. Then what I would recommend from there is taking the time to read the book, not that you have a little bit of context. You can kind of weed through, highlight, underscore, bold, whatever it is that you really resonate with. And then at the end of the book, hopefully you've narrowed it down to one or two, and then you never know. Those two numbers might end up sharing a line with each other, which I know this is, this is Enneagram lingo, but if they share a line mm. with one another... That's a good sign. That means we're on the right track.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay, one other question I have regarding typing or, or just trying to figure out your type. What are some mm-hmm. questions that you can ask our listeners to give them insight to the test or what, what would you have them ask themselves if they are kind of stuck between a couple numbers?
1: Yeah, great question. So I always ask people point blank, what motivates you? And that would give me a pretty good idea as to what I look for key adjectives and descriptive words. where I'm like, This is tied more to this number. Mm-hmm. I listen to the way that they communicate. So if somebody says, oh, I feel numbers two, three and four are in the feeling triad. And mm-hmm. if they keep saying, I feel this, I feel that. That's a pretty good instinct for me to think, OK, they could be in that particular triad. And then I ask them, secondly, what do they struggle with? And then lastly, how do you make your decisions? Do you make it based off of how you feel about a situation? Do you make it about how you think about a situation? Or do you make it based off of your gut instincts, which this is kind of confusing to explain, but your gut instincts are basically just physical sensations in your body that just let you know, like, okay, this is what I need to do. Hmm. And I just know.
0: <laughs> hmm. Okay, super helpful. Super helpful. Okay, I'm going to ask you a little bit more of a tough question. We briefly touched on this prior to hopping on a recording, but this is a question that I've gotten from a lot of women in the church. And so if Mm -hmm. you're a believer and you're listening to this and you're wondering like, okay, I'm curious about this, because I've heard rumors that there's certain, <laughs> you know, controversial roots to this whole thing. Like, that's a real question. And I think, you know, it's worth asking. So for that type of woman who's listening to this episode, and she's maybe got that question in the back of her mind, or has heard things about that, can you how, how do you approach that? I would love your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so it depends. I've spoken to sororities at public universities. Mm-hmm. We've also same. spoken <laughs> to churches. Yeah, yep, yep, <laughs> you have. that's amazing. When I'm talking to a Christian group, what I would normally tell them is just, hey, I like to tie each number to a fruit of the Spirit and to give you tips and tricks on how you can serve better in your church life. And I think with that, just when people know that, okay, like this is a tool that can be used in a secular environment or a spiritual mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. I think that gives people a lot of peace. Mm. That's a
0: good way to put it. That's interesting. I, It kind of reminds me and it makes me kind of think through. And, and again, I know there's plenty of arguments for it and we could debate everything till the cows come home wow I sound like I live in Indiana because I do live in Indiana Um, (laughs) but I know there's a lot of you know different questions surrounding that but what I always at least what I've been trying to come to or at least the way the way you just described that kind of reminded me of any other tool in life that can be used appropriately or can you be used you know um like in a negative way, or it can be used in a positive way, just like we talked about with the boxes and the excuses, right? So mm-hmm. I think I mean, just based off of what you're saying, it kind of to me sounds like, you know, it really depends on what your heart posture is toward it and it depends on you know what you're using it to for and just like anything can be a tool to help you grow or or something that you kind of obsess over and kind of stick yourself in this box of and you make into like an idol in your life I think that's where it can be dangerous but if it's like okay that's helpful information and I will look at that look at it as that it's helpful information um Mm -hmm. I think that's, again, everyone's going to have a different approach to it. But I did want to ask that question because I do know everyone has questions around or not everyone. Some have questions surrounding that. And I figured like, hey, we don't. I don't know if we talk about this kind of thing, but I think there's plenty <laughs> of people wondering it. So I might as well get your take on it and just hear what you have to say. So that's helpful and just an interesting perspective and good to know. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she thrivemarket.com slash she. I want to pivot a little bit because for those, you know, I guess for context, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we did and that we made really special about this call is that it'd be an opportunity for you if you want to ask me anything, whether it's directly related to Enneagram, whether it's related to business or anything else. You and I had a little bit of a conversation prior to recording, but I wanted to kind of open the floor and just make myself available to answer any questions that you may have. And our listeners may also be wondering that I can provide maybe some guidance or ideas or just... A easy response to. So I'm going to open the floor to you for any questions that you have for me, and I'm just going to make myself available for the next few minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, thank you. So I think what I would say is honestly, I love public speaking. My husband and I just find so much joy because we think that it's such a great opportunity to help people in a room understand one another better, hmm. and we're really trying to step into the public speaking space. And so during the during COVID, it's actually been really And a challenge. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear what you have to say, like, how do you recommend going about getting speaking engagements?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Especially when you are helping people develop themselves in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I would say is define like the two to three markets that you really want to work with. So for you, it may be churches, sororities. And what's the third one? Is it small businesses or corporations or, you know, where can you help develop people that, that those, um, that the owners and or decision makers at those, um, organizations are going to want to invest in the time of creating an event, the money in creating an event, all of those pieces. So I think those three may be really good fits. Ooh. And then I think the other big piece that, especially when I was getting started with speaking and trying to figure out like, what's my message? Who do I want to serve? How do I get out there? Um, one thing yeah. that I did was I actually hosted my own event. Um, it wasn't huge, um, but this is actually really how I got started because one of the biggest pieces to... Um, pitching yourself as a speaker is kind of showcasing that you are comfortable, that you are familiar. And even if you have a few experiences, if you don't have any kind of video video footage, it's really hard to mm-hmm. do that. And so if you don't have video footage yet, I would actually recommend hosting a small event of 25 to 50 people. And it can be local. I had literally hosted my first speaking, like true speaking event where we got a video in a wedding Uh barn. It was a local wedding barn. It was not that fancy. Yeah. And I got a bunch of women together in the local area. And we had a videographer there and a photographer there. And we just made it like this really fun event. And we kind of created our own little, you know, we had a structure to it, right? So then what started to happen is we put that on social media, we put that out there. And that led to a lot of requests to come speak on campuses and on different, you know, and in different places. And so that's one great way to get started. I always say, and my friend um, Jessica teaches on this a little bit, but there's almost like three steps to getting to the level that you want to be at as a speaker. The kind of glamorous, Mm -hmm. the glamorous spot is (laughs) spot number three or the step number three, which is where you are very, you know, you're literally paid 10k or however much to come speak totally. and you're being paid for your time and you're being flown first class, right? Okay, that takes like five years to get to or not necessarily five years, but it takes time to build up to that. So there's also these, these other two steps, the first or the second one would be really where you're going into either local or regional events that are a little bit on the bigger side, you know, they're not as intimate. Um, but they are not necessarily something that you're getting paid for, or you are getting paid a little bit to compensate your time and your travel. But you're selling something, so it could be selling your relationship coaching. It could be selling um, a product that you have to where that's what you're selling and giving the audience as a next step. The first, the first step or the first tier. We're kind of working backwards here. Is really just doing local events, hosting your own, getting on podcasts like you're doing now, and really getting your <laughs> message you. out there and providing value and kind of a next step for someone to work with you if they're interested. So that's where you know if you come to a podcast host or a local event host or a local church or whatever it is and set and with a simple breakdown of like, here's the title of my talk. And this is what your audience is going to walk away with. It makes it mm-hmm. really easy for a podcast host or an event host to say yes, because they don't have to think of well what are we going to talk about? And what is this going to be totally. titled? And what value is this going to offer people like she's super inspiring. So I think a quick breakdown like that with video footage of what you've done in the past, as well as even if it's just free events that you're doing locally to begin with, maybe you've done some of those. Have you done those already? Yes, okay. definitely. So you've already got some of that experience. I would have you if you have. Do you have you gathered any speaking testimonials yet, too?
1: Yes, perfect. But you know what? When you said plan your own event, I little light bulbs just went off in my head. We actually have family that owns a beautiful barn. Yeah, and I love also planning things. Mm-hmm. Enneagram one characteristic, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so I was thinking, I'm like, wow. I would actually love to plan an event Yeah, speak at
0: it. I think you could. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing that most women who are wanting to become speakers and share their message with, with whatever they do, where they get stuck, is like they're waiting for the invitation. And I just look at it like, totally. no, don't wait for the invitation. Like You can own it and you can show up because once you cultivate it, it doesn't have to be huge and everyone can be social distance, and you can have 30 people in there. But the point yeah. is to get video footage of people watching you do your thing and you have a structure and you're showing like, hey, I know what I'm doing. So that when events do come back, you can pitch that and you have this really beautiful little sizzle reel with some nuggets of what you've said with highlights of everyone having their life changed in the audience, things like that. So that really was a game changing piece for me. I had done one speaking event prior to hosting my own barn event. And when I (laughs) I was still kind of afraid to speak because it is a little nerve wracking. But
1: when I once I did that,
0: it really started to kind of pick up the opportunities. So I would really recommend um, doing something like that. I think that's a great way to start, especially in in a climate where There's not a lot of events going on right now, anyway. So,
1: yeah, exactly. Well, that's such great advice. I know you spoke at the Chick fil A Leadership Conference Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And that's just absolutely inspiring. I would say that's something that my husband and I at the MaxiCo really aspire to do one day just speaking at marriage conferences and business Mm -hmm. conferences. The ultimate goal is to help you better understand yourself so that you can understand others better. Mm. And What a platform to be able to do that. Absolutely.
0: Speaking is such a powerful tool. And what I love Mm -hmm. about it is that it can be done in so many mediums. I think it's like we often think it's only in events, but now there's virtual events, there's podcasts, like the more that you hone your message in and specifically like drill down on who you're serving, it's going to be so much easier because saying like we help people understand themselves, it's like, that's really broad. But if as you start honing your message, you're going to be able to say like, we help millennial couples in business understand themselves yes. and how to work as business partners and or as, you know, spouses and support each other in their careers. Like, you can kind cool. of drill down and that's going to really open up. That still serves so many people. Chick-fil-A and their and their conference would be interested in that or companies like that, right? Like, these companies totally. that have employees who have spouses, like they're going to want to present to them, but at least it's clearer than people because people can mean the 88 year old and the eight year old (laughs) and the 12, the the 12 year old. So it's kind of like, how do we drill that down on, on archetyping who you're serving? So I think doing that, um, in tandem with hosting your own event can really help move your message quicker
1: nicely said <laughs> perfect I'm <laughs> glad well it's helpful said. um anyways
0: yeah so I think that's huge any other questions for me regarding anything surrounding this or even if if you have any questions regarding the Enneagram like my experience with it and how you might be able to speak into it I just want to make sure that I'm I'm here and I'm open
1: I feel like I'd be interested to know how you feel the Enneagram has played a role in yours and Matt's relationship oh
0: that's a good question so it's a deep one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Matt and I have always, there was a season where our, we had two friends who were super into it and they're like, you guys have to figure it out. Cause we think you're the same types as us. And we were like, okay, the pressure. Um, <laughs> but we, we did kind of after some time it was, it was helpful in understanding, you know, we're not super, super into it, but we find it to be really interesting. And it's, it's been helpful in conversations with friends or just helping understand each other in different ways. But from what we've gathered, totally. we've learned he's a nine and I'm a three. And I know in stress, I believe I go to and I tend to take the the kind of stress character six, seven, nine, so I can understand where he's yep. at and not when when things are stressful. And, you know, they kind of have some, what is that called when one, like you go to one in stress and you go to the other in in. Um, security. Security, yeah. So we kind of like do that in opposite ways to each other. Does that make sense? So like mm. I think in growth, he goes totally. to a three or something like that. You could probably correct me on that. but yes, just he does go to a three. Yes, yeah, so just kind of knowing that, we're like we're kind of – like we've always known we were compliments and that my strengths tend to be his weaknesses and his strengths tend to be my weaknesses. So it was just kind of further affirmation of that and understanding like we're almost – so similar, but coming at it from different angles, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I think in career-oriented things, like for a, a year and a half or so, we ran the business full-time together until he built his own business. And we traveled all the time together. And there would be different times where we'd get really frustrated yeah. because we do things so differently. And that's when we started reading that book. And I remember, I think it was the Red back to you. And I remember thinking, oh, this is why he's doing it, you know, or this, this helps me understand the background of why he's responding this way when I'm responding that way. And we're in a hurry and we're tired, you know, so um, that was really an interesting eye opening experience for sure.
1: Yeah, I can see that husbands, they make me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. We definitely have different opinions on the best way to get something done. Let's just say that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's so true. It's so true. I'm actually curious, what would you say is your favorite thing about the Enneagram test? And like, is there something specific or just about the Enneagram in general? Like, is there something specific that stands out to you with what you do?
1: I would say there's two things. So my favorite thing about the Enneagram is how multidimensional it is. Again, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't feel to me like I'm being put in a box. And then the second thing that I really love about the Enneagram is it's really helped me learn how to laugh at myself. Mm -hmm. I think that (laughs) I try to take things seriously because I want to own every little opportunity that I'm given, but you know, mistakes are going to happen. I'm 100% human and that's just going to be a part of life. And just the Enneagram gives me space to laugh about the times that I mis- make mistakes or kind of fail at something. And that's just been really freeing for me.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I would love to know for our listeners, you know, we've talked about how can you figure out your type and what are some tests you can take? And um, also, actually, I don't even know, did I ask you specifically, sp- like, where can someone take a test if feel like, I want to do the assessment? Where's the best place to take it?
1: Yes. So I would recommend going to www.truity.com. They have a really basic Enneagram personality test. It's only 10 minutes long and it has a really good color scheme, which I really like. So I just Mm. take that one.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Okay, guys, go check that out if you're interested. Lastly, I would love to know, um, you know, like we've, like I said, we've covered a lot, um, but you had mentioned that you help coach people through this. So what kind of coaching do you offer and how does that serve people?
1: Exactly. So thank you for asking. I offer one-on-one coaching which is really fun. I really enjoy doing that, just diving into a young woman's life and hearing her talk about like, this makes me stressed and like, this is when I feel confident and I don't understand why this makes me feel stressed or like mm. why I feel confident in that moment and kind of equipping her to feel more self-assured because she understands the why behind her actions. Mm. So I think that's something that's really great that comes out of one-on-one coaching. And then as far as relationship coaching is concerned, I think with that, I would just say that you learn how to laugh at each other when you're mad i would say in the beginning of my marriage i would get frustrated at robbie and i would respond with a little bit more anger and now i'm finding it's actually kind of hard to keep a straight face because i'm just laughing at our differences and like why we're in an argument hmm. so i think that what you get out of relationship coaching is an opportunity to better understand the person you love the most and you get to laugh with them a little bit more mm-hmm. which is a pretty great takeaway in my opinion and then our third offering that we have right now is that we do speaking engagements. So we've spoken to universities, businesses, and churches about the Enneagram, and ultimate goal is to speak at marriage and business conferences. That I think that will come along post COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Morgan, thanks for sharing a lot of this with us. It's been really interesting to get to ask a couple hard questions and also you know <laughs> dig into a little bit of what I've learned. Um, for myself, when it comes to Enneagram, and get to answer even a question of yours is really a blessing. And really, I just uh, admire that you have the gumption to say, "I'm just going to go for this, and I'm going to try, it, and I'm going to see where I can help people and find solutions." And you're doing great. And it's an honor to get to meet you and to chat with you. And thank you for taking the time to do it. I think you've really given our listeners something, some things to think about, and blessed us with everything that you have learned.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jordan. That's really kind of you. I just feel incredibly grateful to have the opportunity talk to you. You do such a great job in the women in business space. And I really admire the work that you've done. So getting to be a part of it today is just truly an honor.
0: Well, thank you. It's a blessing to hear that. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley, and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in.